We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 324 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Emil Evanesian. And Emil, the transfer window chaos has ended. Drama Lola yes. is at it again, but the Jets have <laughs> settled. And believe it or not, just to warn everybody, I think you and I are going to be a lot more calm on here than I'd expect. I think we're going to be more positive than expected. I think we're just going to be a relaxing day, believe it or not, I think in a post-transfer deadline world. By and large, I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not as, uh, I mean, as I was watching it in real time yesterday, there was moments of, I don't even know if they were panic, but just kind of, you know, shaking my fist and just wondering, you know, what on earth every, you know, what on earth is going on. But with with the benefit of a little bit of time and some perspective and a couple of deep breaths, I think it all, it does actually make sense. Yeah, we're really talking about the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, we'll say it wasn't even a saga. A saga is Dembele. That's a saga. We'll talk about yes. that. Coutinho has been a saga. Griezmann, that's a saga. All that stuff is sagas. But for this to go back and forth really quickly from a loan to the deal is dead to now Arsenal's yeah. contract. And that's where we begin with with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is already in training, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he is yet to be registered, obviously. We'll have to see what happens with that. But yeah, reportedly, he reduced his wages to come from 350,000 pounds a week to 100,000 pounds a week, uh, indicating two things. One, that he desperately did not want to play for Arsenal anymore. And two, that he did want to come to Barcelona and try to reignite his career. And I said on the YouTube video yesterday when I gave my grades out for these moves that he was from Sierra Leone. He's not. He's from Gabon. So I'm not only correcting that, but the Gabonese forward at 32 He's been injured almost most of this season, played just 15 games, but seven goals. But still, mm. his, his Arsenal career was over. It was time for a fresh yeah. start. And players always have an option, right? They have an option to sit on the bench and collect a paycheck, mm. or they have an option to try to get their career kickstarted again. And it seems like for all the disciplinary issues he would have had for the mm. issues he's had with Mikel Arteta, it seems like he wants to restart his career at the Camp No. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, um, yeah, because there was a big, I think it was, was in the athletic, the the big kind of breakdown of how Obama Yang's, I guess, period at Arsenal, because last year, I guess he was in, he was in good form. And not only that, he was off the pitch. He was great with everybody and he was beloved and he loved everyone else and everything. And then I guess in a relatively short period of time, not that, I don't even know if it necessarily got that nasty, but it just seems like everyone cooled dramatically on one another and he yeah some of his commitment waned and 
you know, Arsenal are, because he's not the youngest guy. So Arsenal were looking to a younger core and everything like that. It just, it seemed like a relationship that very quickly fizzled and wound up having run its course. But that being said, I mean, like you said, he's even in sporadic action and he's had injuries and things like that. He's still scoring every other game, roughly, which, I mean, does speak to his, I mean, the guy is a world, world class talent. And, you know, we've talked all the time, particularly, you know, in attack, Barca, particularly with Ansu Fati, not healthy. And, you know, um, you know, Ferran Torres is great, but he's integrating still. I mean, Barca need dynamic world-class or as close to world-class as they can get attacking talent right now. You know, on if you can get a talent like him on the cheap for basically a six-month commitment, because I guess the the last 12 months of the 18 are Barca's option. I, I guess Barca's and Barca's alone. So for six months, you get this guy on the cheap and he's been scoring goals even when he's been playing sporadically in England. I mean, it, it, it seems very... Uh, very low risk, high reward. If you know, if it pans out, if it goes completely wrong, I don't know that there's that much lost. Yeah, I mean, he set such a high standard for such a long time in the Premier League, and now it seems like in the last 43 appearances, dating back to September 2020, he has just 14 goals. But at this juncture, it, it I think the Aubameyang move isn't desperate. It's a, it's the a move that feels desperate, just because yeah, now you're saying all right. I mean, yes, he was willing to take a huge salary reduction, but. In theory, yeah. he'll be at the club until next summer when he's 33. Mm-hmm. So are you just kicking the can down the road for that? But it really did feel like a response to the Ansu Fati injury. And I don't mm-hmm. want to understate that. I felt like throughout this entire transfer window that you could say that, I mean, I came out last week with that discussion about Sergio Busquets. Yeah, I'd love a pre-contract with Bubukar Kamara, who wouldn't. You'd love mm-hmm. to have seen Grimaldo come in from Benfica or, of course, Tagliafico. Uh, but Ajax said no to that. You would have loved to see some other move on the peripheral to reinforce the squad as they go for top four. But looking at the situation with Dembele, which we'll talk about in a second, and then Ansu Fati's injury more than anything else, this front line has been completely rehauled. With these four players being Danny Alves, and then the other three guys are forwards in Ferran Torres, in Adama Traore, and Obama Yang, three mm-hmm. of which are all different moves. And it is, it is interesting to me too, that it's three radically different transfers mm-hmm. in. In Obama Yang, he is just a veteran looking for that, thing to keep his career alive. He's looking mm-hmm. for that lifeline. He was willing to take a huge pay cut to do so. Ferran Torres is willing to take a pay cut to get not out of Man City, but to get to Barcelona to move back to Spain and yes. basically be a Barcelona player for a long time. And then Adama Traore is the one of the three of them who's returning home. And I don't yep. even quote on that. In seven years, he's back at the Camp No. And for Adama Traore in particular, this is a... Uh, at 26 years old, it is an opportunity, if you will, where if he does manage to figure something out and maybe add some finishing product mm-hmm. or, at le- or earn 30 million is, is a bit steep for Adama Traore, mm-hmm. even if he gives you a, a five month sample size, it's mm-hmm. still quite a hefty piece for that. That is the buy option that Barca have. If not, he yeah. get back to Wolverhampton. So for in the case of Aubameyang, it really does feel like Barca said, I, I know Luke de Young. He's still here for five months before he goes back to Sevilla. Brothwaite is still floating around as Abde is here. Jukla, happy birthday to him today. Is here now 23 <laughs> years old. Then now you're already talking about Elisha Komash and you're going farther down that depth chart because yep. Ansu and Dembele are unavailable. So that forward line was completely stripped bare. And there's no way Barcelona get top four if they don't have players uh, working out. And I also think that even though Memphis Dubai, they say that he might be helping for Atletico Madrid. 
I'm a bit concerned about his injury concerns this year. In years past, you and I spoke about it, Emil. Memphis has had some injury concerns throughout his career. And the years when he's not right, he's not right. And if he Mm -hmm. is, he is right. And this year, he hasn't been right, it seems like, physically. And I don't know if he will be. Yeah, I mean, he he started well. We don't. Yeah, I mean, he started well. It looked encouraging. But I think the... But there there is a strong correlation. His... And I I don't know anything, you know, medical or so I don't want to speak completely out of line, but it seems like the years where he is bitten by the injury bug seem to get derailed. I mean, it it never seems like it's, you know, I mean, I did some reading into this and kind of digging around when he first signed for Barca and it was, you know, when he gets hurt, it seems to sort of blow up the entire season rather than put him on the shelf for maybe four or five weeks or something. And then he comes back and, and picks up where he left off. And so I think um, the the three different types of attackers you talked about are fascinating in that, yeah, so Aubameyang, I, I agree with you. I think he's, one, a direct a direct response to the latest injury to Ansu Fati. Secondly, I think he is sort of the anti, and, and I don't mean, I don't mean this, uh, you know, as a, as a dig, but he's sort of the, the anti-Luke de Young type of, you know, pure number nine, where he's, he's speedy and you know, he's like, he's not just a, a target man in the box. And so he's the the kind of attacker, the, the Barca need. he delivers, he offers a, a dynamism that, you know, is frankly just missing a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, there's, if we want to get like super wishful thinking about it too. I mean, I know the, the word is that Dembele is, you know, no longer destined for the pitch, but I'm, but, you know, it was those two together in Dortmund where, you know, each of them kind of played his best, football so it might not be completely insane to to take the to take the shackles off of Dembele and let him let him play again and see if they can recap you know rekindle some of that old magic where I'm really intrigued by Traore shifting to him is in a sense I mean he is the I guess like the in a sense the replacement for Dembele if you're not going to play him but then in a strange way, I also see him as a bit of a, a Dembele Memphis hybrid in that he's super fast and, you know, races down the wings and just, you know, has blazing speed. But he's also, I mean, the guy is just chiseled out of, you know, solid iron. And so it's going to be really fascinating to see that type of player uh, on Barca. Because, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what player I can think of that's had his physical profile for Barca in. Quite some time, you know, in that in that type of position. I don't, I don't know. I mean, can you think of anybody? I mean, on the, I mean, with, with Dalman Traore, I don't, I said this last week, I don't see him as a replacement per se, or even mm-hmm. as some kind of standard for Dembele. I think that the, the club was trying to get that Dembele renewal done no matter what. And mm-hmm. that Adama Traore is quote unquote, an upgrade over Abde. And that's basically what they're trying to do. They're trying to take yeah, six months, okay. how do you enhance that position. And then, if you consider Obama Yang a quote unquote upgrade or an experience upgrade to Jukla, that makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense because that's actually comparable minutes. It would surprise you. I mean, Abde has played what the third most forward minutes under Xavi so far. And that is yeah. because Abde has necessarily earned them. I've said he's a good young player that I think, I mean, really does have a bright future potentially, but yep. it's been out of necessity as far as rotation and who's been available. Even Luke de Young with his, Copa del Rey red cards have kept him out. I mean, just yeah. any way that forwards at Barcelona have could find a way to not play, whether through injury or suspension or whatever, they found those ways. And, They've done it. Yeah. And for Adama Traore, 
I mean, to that point, is there any other player I could think of for Barca that is like this player? No, because his metrics are just, it's gobsmacking where when you talk about percentiles and boring things like that, but his numbers, they scream off the page. Okay. One goal in 23 appearances with no assists. You say, okay, why is that? What is that? So that doesn't seem great as a forward, but what does he do? Right. Okay. Right. He is in 94th percentile in aerial duels one with 1.98 per game, which is wow. high for wingers. Okay. He does yeah. not lose. He takes that big frame, puts it up in the body and wins aerial duels. Okay. He's in the yep. 94th percentile in progressive carries with 9.75 per 90, which is okay. quite a lot. And then he is obviously, this is the big one, the 99th percentile, <laughs> as in almost number one in the whole world in dribbles completed with more than five per game. The guy just that's anecdotally, that makes sense. That's the kind right. of, that's what I envision with him. Okay. So that's good to know. Yeah. Can you name this? Actually, Barca did have one player in the 99th percentile that was around for the last few seasons. He now plays in Paris. Can you think of who that might be? So that's like the other guy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So what he doesn't do well, though, he really doesn't do well. His expected assists, 0.17, putting him in the 51st percentile which is a little bit high considering the number of minutes that he actually did play for Wolves. So for players who play a considerable amount of uh, similar numbers and minutes on the pitch, mm. that is actually worse than it is. So he does not assist the ball. It does not happen. He obviously is at all here, but <laughs> even his expected assists, as in the, the times when he's setting up a key chance or a big opportunity or a big chance, yep. if you will, he's not really setting those up either. And what that worries me is that Luke De Young and Martin Brothwaite, which Again, if Memphis can't get himself right, those two are going to have to get the ball on a platter to put the ball in the back of the net. And they're going to, their goals are going to be important if Memphis can't get right to the second half of the season. Let's say Ferran yeah. cannot figure out his mass fitness because he's still a little bit of not in mass fitness. And the other problem with Adama is that he's in the 24th percentile of those wingers in non-penalty expected goals, which is 0.15 per 90. So as much as the expected assists would worry you, you like there's a part of me that says I know that number is dastardly low that 0.17 yeah. expected assist, but in Xavi's system, which is a bit different than the one with that Wolves play, also Wolves, yeah. La Liga is also screaming out. They're crying out for, you know, they're crying out for any winger that wants to attack these plotting back lines in the Liga right now. So counterattacking yeah. football, I think, even though it's not the quote unquote Barca way with Aubameyang and Adama Traore, if they can get goals any way they can, that's great. But that 0.15 per 90 on expected goals does worry me because I don't like at 26, your end product isn't just going to pop up. The system might bring out more assists, especially in Xavi's system, which might create more chances yeah. in the Premier League. But he's just, I, I can't imagine he's going to score goals. It's just, it's probably not going to happen. And as I keep saying everywhere, that if you don't expect goals, you won't get disappointed by Atama Traore. But I, it's, I, it's, it's hard because again, this is basically a low risk, high reward, six month loan that Barca are yep. just covering the salary for. And if they registered him and pay his salary, it's done and dusted. Whatever he gives you is a positive. Whatever update yes. he is over Abde is a positive. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, I, I mean, I just, and so his numbers are so intriguing because they're, they're telling you exactly what's going to happen. And still yeah. I'm like, but what if, what if Xavi could get something more? I don't know. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I don't know why I'm a little bit in the tank for, for Triore. So I'm, yeah, I still, I still see possibilities and I'm still playing out permutations that the numbers suggest are not there. But, and it's also kind of mining through even just the the statistics that you just laid out and thinking about where the i guess even if we even if we say okay fine the the suboptimal scenario of this guy is an attacker that isn't really good at scoring goals or assisting on goals there's still this scenario of in a weird way i mean i guess like if you if you think about uh football like american football just you know, kind of he'll he'll get the ball from the, you know, from 120 to the other 20. He's not very good in the red zone, but he'll he'll eat up a lot of the yardage, you know, in, in between kind of the, the gets you into scoring position. And then, you know, really the, the responsibility falls on the rest of the guys to to pick up the slack. But I mean, it, that's I don't know. I'm, I, I'm intrigued. I, I and I also do think that Javi's system will bring more out of him than then he's had a wolves and yeah i mean i think i'm i'm very interested to see how his kind of you know everything sort of all the physical gifts from raw you know just he's big brute strength and incredibly fast i'm i'm fascinated to see how that how that translates you know particularly in chavi's system yeah and i think one of the big picture themes we're seeing with adama Traore, which one of the reasons why you say hey you got to accept him back at the club right now because for those who, who pushed him out or say that he's just a speed merchant or whatever, he took a mm-hmm. salary reduction to come back to Barcelona in the same way that Aubameyang took a salary reduction to come to Barcelona. Ferran Torres also, for what he could have made at Man City, also took a at least a front-loaded salary reduction. With yeah. I mean, I, I say that, but he also knows he's making... 11 million or that's 11 million on uh, amortization over the course of those five years. But again, mm-hmm. reducing his base wages to come to Barcelona, Varen Torres even yeah. making that sacrifice. And Danny Alves, of course, playing on the league minimum to come. Yes. So for Barcelona, for the first time ever, bringing in four players over the January transfer window, one of which won't be making the Europa League roster. I, I mean, I guess, would you guess that would be Danny Alves? I mean, I would. I mean, I don't know, though, because if he's totally out on desk, that being Xavi, it, it could be. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think yeah, it, I actually I don't think I think it would be who would not be in there. I mean, I could see him saving maybe, you know, keeping Torres out of there and just go with Obama Yang as a sort of your your ultra incisive forward. Give Triore the, the run out in 
in the Europa League. I think he'll definitely and, in the Europa League. Yeah, I think it's between yeah. Aubameyang and Alves, but I think I think that Xavi's so out on Des and Magetha that Alves is just going to be everywhere. I, I think Alves is going to be in there. Um, yeah. So in that case, yeah. If you're if you're correct, then it would be Aubameyang is out, and it would be Torres, Traore, and Alves. But I think Alves will be in, and I think Traore will be in. So I mean, I guess it comes down to to Torres and Aubameyang, and yeah. So I mean, I can see I can see either scenario, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, and so on the point too, on the reduction of the salaries for these guys to come in, you say thank you. The mm-hmm. same thing with Sergio Aguero uh, choosing to retire in the way that he did, so that yeah. the money came off the books, allowing players to be registered. I mean, Sergio Aguero owed FC Barcelona the club absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing, and absolutely yet nothing. He chose to do this thing again. Danny Alves. Yes. For even if I mean Danny Alves is owed like four to seven to ten bad performances because again he's basically playing for free. I mean, yes. as the professional footballer would, and to reinforce the squad and almost as a measure of goodwill to try to help the club out of a dark period. And then those yes. other moves along the peripheral that you can't forget that as frustrating as it was that Samuel Titi refused to help the club over the summertime. That contract renewal that does, in theory, keep him around till 2026, massively reduced his wages, allowing Ferran Torres to be registered. So they're yes. no longer captive to Umtiti, and that is another huge move. Nico Gonzalez being promoted to the first team. Again, that's another thing on the yep. peripheral where for those calling out for Mika Marmol or more of Ilash Shakomas, you might get to see more of that because now there's that, in theory, extra that extra spot available for a youth player to be able to feature on the field. So this was a merry dance, this whole thing for Mateo Almani. It's just a merry dance to get all that salary to work, everything to fit together. And where it didn't fit together, though, was obviously with the one player who refused to renew, obviously didn't renew to um, reduce his wages, and also didn't, I guess, not to say that he didn't want to go anywhere, but didn't have the options to go now. So it seems like, as Romano has reported, Man United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, PSG. We saw all those names sorted around yesterday for Dembele, but not a single one really seriously considered in LA, especially on the wages that his agent was asking for. So he yeah. likely has another move lined up, as Laporta has said today. I mean, Laporta really went in on Dembele. I think the club is really frustrated with the way that situation went. But I think the, the club is also frustrated that Dembele's camp were able to gain the leverage. And this is one of those yeah. instances where very much like the Coutinho thing, and Coutinho, again, was another move that it could be huge. 40 million euros all with a buy, uh, 40 million euros, yeah, for a buy option from Aston Villa. If he lights mm-hmm. it up and they pay that, I mean, just a terrific, terrific piece of business for Felipe Coutinho. But, but that, also, that debut that he had, I mean, just, you know, right. I mean, just the debut, but he could also come back and his salary is right back on the books next year. Oh, um, exactly. Yeah. Coutinho might not be done yet, but if Alemani was able to, especially with Griezmann also to Atletico Madrid, is he's able to get the quote unquote big three and their wages off the books by what would be, I mean, if you, they terminate Dembele's contract, which I don't think they will, I don't think they can afford to, because that's going to count against the salary limit, then it would be, I mean, by, by yeah, by the summer of 2022, have all three right. of their wages completely off the books is huge. I mean, honestly, I thought it was going to take until 2023, looking at the extent, like the length of their contracts. But well, that would yeah, be amazing. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, if you looked at any of them, I mean, you could make the case that, you know, I guess going back, go back six months or whatever, five months. You can make the case that Griezmann would find, you know, you could find a, a taker at some price for Griezmann. Now you'd probably end up, you know, taking a bit of a bath on the on the hundred and twenty the the initial sticker price on him. But he he was still like a good player and a and a desirable player. You'd find a home for him. I was not by any stretch optimistic that either Dembele or Coutinho 
were going to be either contributors or, you know, able to be moved on for, you know, with, with minimal trouble. Now, I mean, Dembele has, so he's contributed, but he wasn't able to be moved on. So, I mean, this is just going to be kind of the, the sad kind of fizzling out period of, of Dembele here. But yeah, I mean, look with him, I mean, I think it just sort of the, the die seems to be cast. And so he's going to be gone in, you know, whatever, June. So that just, that, that simply is. And the, the Coutinho thing. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, Alemani's kind of done the, an amazing Houdini here and potentially because what was it? I mean, those, those three guys between them are earning what 45 million euros, I think on just on wages. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to potentially shed that inside of one calendar year is yeah. I mean, that's astounding work. Plus the huge reduction of MTT. I thought MTT's was yeah. to also <clears throat> be until th- this summer, next summer. And that was going to continue to, to be the burden. So for Dembele to really be the only burden <clears throat> and, especially if if they are able, that being the club, able to register every player that would be have been brought in. It's just a huge thing. Because again, a reminder that Messi, Griezmann, and PK taking his huge reduction all had to happen just so Memphis and the like in the summertime could be ready. Yeah. Uh, so like Memphis and Eric Garcia, I think, right? Just so they could right. get, on the, get on the squad. Yeah. Yep. Uh, some of the other moves around the peripheral before we try to kind of give an overall grade. One of my favorite moves here. Now, I, I was kind of hot and cold on the Kayato and Pena cold on the Callado in that I like that he went to Granada. It happened a few weeks ago. He already mm. made a difference against Barcelona. I'm just frustrated that he had to wait the five months. But that said, if he's playing at Granada and it's working out for, for Lopez, then it could really work out for the player and potentially the club now can sell him on instead of basically having to what they would eat his contract because he yeah. wasn't playing and wouldn't have any market value. So just increasing his market value as a player as an asset. It's unfair to talk about Kayato as an asset because of what he's given the club for all these years, um, sure. being the ones who's want to stuck around. So I hope he can come back next season again with Toyori. Who knows if he'll be around Obama Yang, right. who knows if he'll be around. So they're likely, even with the likes of Luke de Young gone too, there will in theory be opportunities where for yeah. Abde and Jukla this year, Kayato might be the player that says, Hey, I mean, I just played at Granada. Uh, this is, you guys are going to have to wait another year for Barca B know your place. So that could happen very well that he gets the 22nd oh, totally. to the 25th spot next season. And then the move that I really like though, is this Inaki Pena to Galatasaray on loan for the rest of the season. It's there's no buy option. And mm-hmm. it was one of my favorite pieces of businesses for all three parties. I think of all the different moves, it's the mm-hmm. one that I think all three that being Barca, Pena, and Galatasaray are going to get the most out of. And doing the research on this, 35-year-old, you remember him for the World Cups and Copa Americas, Fernando Muslera, longtime Uruguayan goalkeeper. He's been yeah. out long-term with a knee injury. And I'm not going to, my Turkish is not good enough to name you the three backups, but I can tell you that I did not, I'd never heard of any of them. I did not mm-hmm. know who they were. I even looked at their former clubs, hadn't heard of some of the clubs most of them had played for. <laughs> and so yeah. Pena comes in from day one under former Barca man, Domek Torrent, also spent time here uh, in my backyard, NYCFC, as, mm-hmm. as uh, the head manager. So two weeks ago, Torrent was put in charge of this club with Galatasaray, the great and mighty Galatasaray sitting in 15th place, just two yeah, points out of the relegation zone, right? While the thing that Galatasaray is fighting for their lives in the Turkish mm-hmm. first division, but that's where we're at right now. And so Torrent is going to give Pena the gloves from day one, and Pena is going to become the number one at Galatasaray, which is a huge club, a huge atmosphere, mm-hmm. and a huge opportunity too. So, I mean, I think this could really work out. I mean, yeah, that it could go sideways in terms of performances. And if, I mean, sure. that back line I looked at is not great. It's not the Galatasaray names of old that 
you know, you might remember from a, a player who starred in the Portuguese league or in the Premier League is now yeah, figuring it out. Be a whole bunch of like ex Serie A and yeah, yeah. La Liga and Premier League guys who, yeah, who, not anymore. Galatasaray have kind of had to cut on the edges, and that it looks like a not a strong squad, clearly, with mm. how they're doing the table. But I think again, it's a move that if Pena steps up big in inside those posts, now he becomes once again an asset as a potentially a sale, but more likely. Mm-hmm. If Neto really wants to move on, he's still on high wages uh, for yeah. backup around around the world. So now Barca can commit to saying, "Hey, we've got this guy on our wages, reasonable wages in our loan structure. Twenty, he'll be twenty three, I believe, the first week of May. That being Pena, mm-hmm. so we can come in and take the backup job. So I'm actually excited. I know this is the longest anyone maybe has ever talked about Naki Pena <laughs> ever uh, on any podcast ever, <laughs> but it's because I, I think it's a good move, and it it goes back to where. When it was Kayato, uh, sorry, Kukurea being sent to Abar, or it was Wenya being sent even to Adafe on loan, even those felt like oh, they felt like lifelines. They felt like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, going back to Sergio Sampaio, going to Las Palmas or to Granada, yes. it just mm-hmm. felt like. I mean, it's this last resort. It's this. Last yeah, they, they felt sort of like um, they felt sort of like yeah, last gasps almost. Of to, to, doesn't to... feel like that. It feels like this could be a step up. I think so because. Um... This has a sense of getting this guy some experience, and you know, while the the Galatasaray team that he's joining are not not a vintage, not a vintage side, in a weird way, it could almost work to his benefit in the sense that so he's not you know he's not Galatasaray through and through, so it's he's obviously going to go there and try to do his best and try to help keep them up, so he's going to get in a weird way, kind of a, a, a minimal commitment, ultra high pressure trial, because yeah, I mean, we've talked about just even in normal times, even when things are good, the, the atmosphere in those, those Turkish games and those, you know, those Istanbul derbies and everything is just, I mean, it's madness. So to just partake in those, I mean, there's something about just, you know, it'll toughen the, you know, sharpen the edges on him probably a little bit. And and it's also the entire team. It's not like he was loaned to, you know, a mid-table side that, you know, effectively has nothing to play for and just is, you know, sort of playing out the string to finish ninth or something. I mean, these guys are fighting for their lives. And so the the squad that he's in is they're going to be busting it to try to to try to stay up. So I think it's really good. He gets to go, yeah, play meaningful games. I mean, like ultra meaningful games at a big club in you know, very intense kind of cauldron-like settings. The guy that you get back when he returns from loan, hopefully he plays well and he's kind of the best version of himself. But I think irrespective, the guy that you get back when he comes back from the loan isn't going to be the guy that you sent over there. Yeah, you'd hope. Uh, And then the final move was Yusuf Demir, loan terminated. Uh, Barca didn't Mm -hmm. want to pay the 10 million euro buy option. Mm -hmm. I've said this one a bunch of times. It was a shame. I I think he's a really Mm -hmm. promising player. Didn't really even fit Xavi's system, not a natural winger, an inverted winger. And yep. Barca basically already have Elash Akomash, who was just one year younger, waiting in, yep. in Barca B. So it, it became a bit redundant. Maybe he yep. would have fit under Kuman, But yeah, shame. I hope he turns into a really good professional. I hope he does better than Alan Halilovich is the, the name that I popped up. That was another inverted. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So good luck to Yusuf Tamir. Unfortunate that it had to work out that way, but those the Dems the breaks of business, as they say. All right, yep. so Emil, as we wrap up our show, two big questions for you down the stretch here. I yeah. gave my grade yesterday on the YouTube video, and I gave Alemani a an A for 
all the work that had to be done, all the balancing and registering and salary reductions and and not mortgaging the future, the long term. So you could either give it one to 10, spice it up a little bit, or you could give your A to F using the Americanized system here for grades. Sure. Uh, So, yeah, how would you big picture? What was the uh, the final verdict on this transfer window for Alemani? I mean, I think it's um, along the lines of what you were saying and, you know, what we just discussed a little bit ago, given the constraints under, you know, that were in place when he joined, you know, when he came back, when he came to the club and the constraints that continue to be in place and, you know, the wage bill that he was given. I mean, I think you have to give him, I mean, I'll allow that maybe there was something else out there, but I mean, I would give like a nine out of 10, you know, and just, you know, the, the Griezmann deal was obviously already done. And, but in this, in this period to get Coutinho's wages off the, off the, uh, off the wage bill, you know, at the very least for half a season, but potentially if he once again takes to takes a life in England and uh, Villa CM is being worth 40 million, you have, I mean, really wiggled out of something there. And I think the, the situation with Dembele, I mean, I think it's sort of, it is, you know, it just, it simply is. So I think he, he did what could have been done there and to bring in, you know, two, well, three, I mean, I guess if we're talking Torres from the, kind of the beginning of this this windows activity to bring in three sort of different but dynamic and very talented in the case of Torres and Aubameyang you know pretty prolific goal scoring types when that's what this that's what this club needed i mean i think he's done a phenomenal a phenomenal bit of business and the fact that they've all been able or you know all been willing to play on reduced wages to you know, effectively facilitate Barcelona's assembly of this squad. I mean, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a nine out of 10. It's, it's an A, you know, I don't know what more, I don't know what, what more reasonably we could have asked of him. Yeah. I mean, it's a reminder too, comes almost simultaneously with the day that the club comes out with that forensic, that third party forensic investigation into the mm-hmm. club finances during the Bartomeu regime. Just, I mean, Unbelievable stuff. Made unjustified payments to journalists and lawyers, as well as paying commission of over thirty percent to some agents when the industry standard is around five percent. I yeah. mean, this report coming out perfectly aligns. It just it makes it incredible that Barca were able to get anything done. A reminder that as bad as things are, doesn't mean things get better. And the fact that Alemani was able to do all the moves he did again, it took a lot of concessions from players, from Danny Alves. Basically yes. coming for free from Ferran Torres and Adama Traore and Abameyang, yeah. all taking those huge salary reductions just to arrive and yeah. play Barcelona. It tells you the power that the badge still has. And yes. while it may not be the same right now as the Premier League money, and unfortunate for us to admit, it may not be the same as what the Real Madrid project is. It may not financially yes. be what Real Madrid is going to be able to offer right now and over the summertime. So, yeah, I mean, there's still these circumstances over the summer where Barca miss out on, quote unquote, a big fish or they don't get Holland and Holland and Mbappe both go to Real Madrid. All those things are very still possible. But financially, whether it's the naming rights and it's basically getting that S5 Barca project renewed, that was another part of even even this January transfer window, trying to figure Mm -hmm. out where their money is going to go. I mean, and then again, all on the back of the uh, the corruption that occurred in the Bartomeu regime. And if this club is able to financially basically get out of that hole, if you will, now the debt is a long time, that 15 year loan from Goldman Sachs and all that stuff. I mean, the club had to pay off, was it 471 million? Don't quote me on that euro 
of short-term debt or what was it? No, it was 700 something, whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, they, that, can, that can needed to be kicked down the, down the road and you couldn't even, yeah, before you could even think about long-term planning and things like that, you right. simply needed to be financially viable you know, and out from underneath that, at least in the yeah, short term. Well, yeah, let me get it. Yeah, it was $731 million in short-term debts from three wow. transfers, right? And $1.35 billion in total debt. It was a yeah. $481 million euro loss. So for the club to sign Ferran Torres and actually have it be above board, right? Because I think you're going to yeah. still see the trolls and the internet and everybody asking, how can Barcelona afford players? How are they doing everything? I thought they were bankrupt. I thought they were done, mm-hmm. uh, but they're not. And for everything to be basically above board now and for everybody to be able to, I mean, for again, third parties and the Swiss football brand to be able to count the, the euros one by one and for yeah. to be able to play in that parameters of the, 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 in the, in the very tight league constraints and work with that, that what 25% on the, because they could not reach their 97 million euro salary limit, which was reduced by over 300 million euros. I know I threw a lot of numbers at you right there, but yep. for the club to be able to, and Alemani to be able to tiptoe all of that, and whether, I mean, you're even looking at the margins. They were able to get Obama Yang if he is registered. They're getting him registered by under 2 million euros. That's basically a little less of what they had to play with, which seems like a lot, but it's not in terms of actually on those kind of salary numbers and whatever, getting these contracts under the ledger. But yeah, so it's incredible that the position the club was in and he was still able to get all this business done. And I yeah. think Aaron Torres is the one that does stick out to me to say, they got a guy that could be at the Camp Nou for like 10 years. He's one of the best young Spanish talents in the world. And for to be able to bring him in shows that this club is, is it has the ability to sell young players on this project. And if yeah. that project in theory will only improve. And that's why I'm so optimistic because we keep saying what's rock bottom, not finishing top four will, will be rock bottom. Yes. Okay? But, but if they finish top four, then we've already hit rock bottom. Then exactly. Time yeah. with rock bottom with Messi. Then January, this doesn't feel as bad as Messi. I'll tell you that. So nope. <laughs> step up from that. And then top four, if they're able to secure that, that means that, they, that, that I think that last summer was rock bottom. And I, I that for all Kool-Aid, listen to this, is why I stand yeah. positive. And now why I gave it this an A. That's why I gave it an A. I'll agree with you. 8.5, 9 out of 10 for me. No, that, that totally makes sense. And I think the what you just said about uh, Ferran Torres in particular, of the sort of the, the four biggest names that the Barca have brought in, because the the other three, I mean, you look at, you know, Dani Alves is what, 38 years old and yep. I mean, just really just adores the club and wanted to be back here. So you didn't even really need to sell him on a project or a wage cut or anything like that. He just wanted to do this. You know, Aubameyang has maybe one last, uh, you know, good-sized contract in, left in his career. But right now, his career is sputtering, and he needs to he needs to get it back on track. So he's motivated to go to a high-profile club and, you know, forego some money right now to to try to hit the jackpot later. But nonetheless, he sort of he needs the the sheen of Barca as much as Barca need his talents. I think. And Adama Traore, I mean, like we said, for all of his just astounding physical gifts, you know, like he's he's a guy who's ostensibly an attacker who struggles to score goals or assist on goals. And so, you know, each of these, each of these, you know, those three either want to or to a certain extent need the the Barca leg up as much as Barca needs them. But Ferran Torres is young, talented, accomplished, and was already at a a huge club where he can essentially just 
hang around, even just be a squad player and, you know, win, win medals on a fairly regular basis. Like he didn't need to do this and that he did. Sure. He wanted to come back to Spain and sure the, you know, the sort of that siren call of Barca is, is strong to young Spanish players and things like that, but nonetheless, he did it. You know, I mean, he didn't, he, rather than figure, oh, I'll wait a couple of years, you know, collect these massive paychecks and then, and then show up. No, he just, he did it now and he simply didn't have to do it. And the fact that they were able to pull that off is, I think, you know, it's, it's telling of how they've been able to get this thing back on track and at least get some sort of, you know, kind of get their arms around what the extent of the troubles were and how they're going to go about fixing it and what the path is out of this, you know, the, the forest or whatever we want to say. Yeah, and a reminder too, the January transfer window is always difficult business. It's where, mm-hmm. I mean, clubs clearly don't have leverage when you're going after players in January and clubs have no reason to loan you their players or to sell you their players. If you're not covering their salary, they're not trying to get out of a, a jam or a mess. And so for the, the case of Dembele, if we call that the one failure, if you will, of this transfer window, not having that be rectified in a way that supports the club or even helps the player, honestly, at this point, Dembele, yep. this situation is one that plays out over and over again, though. Hamas Rodriguez and Coutinho in the past and Gareth Bale. Uh, usually it's difficult to move a player, especially in yeah. this kind of circumstance. So I, if anything, not to be a nihilist about it, but I'm not expecting this is where we got to. I, I felt like weeks ago, this is where we were, were heading. And I, I'm not surprised that this is how this all played out with Dembele stuck in limbo oh, totally. with Barcelona. Just because again, it's difficult to have this kind of move happen. And if you're able to at least bring in everybody else and register them, mm then it, it is what it is. And this is a situation that once again, on the back of all the Bartomeu news coming out today, it's still the sins of the past. The club is still paying for those yeah. sins. And Dembele is the, not say the final move there, but the final piece of that, where now you just, it's unfortunate because he's such a talented player. I was yeah. always optimistic about what he could be for Barcelona in a way that Griezmann mm-hmm. and you know, weren't, but yeah, it's a sad end. And so the final question for you, Emil, as far as Dembele's future at the club, it seems like, I mean, I think he's just going to sit in the stands, right? I mean, or would Xavi going to be... It seems like the club doesn't want him to use him. I, I think that relationship, based on Laporte's comments today, is completely dead. So I don't think Xavi's going to really even have an option to use him. So is he in the... Yeah, I think that's the problem. Because, yeah, I think that's the problem. Because I do think... I get the sense that Xavi would like to use him. And I think particularly when Xavi looks at, you know, all the all the players that he has at his disposal now. And even, you know, kind of like I brought up that, that, that Obama Yang... Dembele reunion. I mean, there there has to be some part of of Xavi's mind, you know, where he's like, I wonder, you know, what can we do with that? Like, you know, does does that thing still spark? And I mean, unfortunately, yeah, I feel like the calls are from on high that um, I don't know that Dembele just yeah he wasn't willing to go the the extra mile to make all you know to make everything happen. And yeah, so I mean, he's thus I guess persona non grata and so he's just going to get really good season tickets for the rest of the year and um yeah and i guess he'll just he'll be on his way it's it's unfortunate i mean i there's a part of me i i would love it if there is a little bit of a twist in the plot where he can he can get back on the pitch and you know hopefully help out and you know maybe show a little something but yeah i'm not terribly optimistic but if the worst thing that happens given the you know like you were talking about but given the mire that the club was in anywhere, you know, six months, eight months, 12 months, 15 months ago, given where they were, if the worst, if your biggest shortcoming, your biggest failure is having to pay another, what, four months of Usman Dembele's contract, 
that's not that bad. I mean, your your 21-22 season has been pretty stellar if you don't have to pay Griezmann, you aren't, you know, you're already not paying half of Coutinho's contract. And, you know, you can kind of cross your fingers and hope that he lights it up at Villa and you even get money for him. And then, yeah, so if this is the worst thing that happens, it's it's hardly, a, you know, it's hardly a, a monumental disaster. And the only way that this Dembele stuff is a disaster, I think, is because of paying him for the next four months and those wages, mm-hmm. if that denies the club the opportunity to, yeah. to renew Ronald Aruhu and Gabi mm-hmm. at this yeah. juncture, I think that is where there would be a problem. And I, I think Aruhu, I, apparently he did reject the first offer. And maybe that yeah. was just to start the negotiations. I want to remind people that Roman Planas had gotten that one. He does want to stay at Barcelona and Roman Planas yeah. was the leader of that. So maybe this is just, again, reigniting uh, the negotiations at the, the lower salary number. Then they work their mm-hmm. way up. So we're not entirely sure. You know, we don't want to, you know, start any gloom and doom about Arohu before mm-hmm. it's fair to. But mm-hmm. those two moves are the next two renewals that are important. And I, I, I know we're saying this a little bit, but the other question I have now is Sergio Roberto. Again, he's injured all season long, so out of sight, out of mind. But yeah. there were rumblings throughout the last few weeks that he was going to have to renew at a lower number. They were going to extend him for a year or two to be able to register everybody else. Now, that still might happen, I guess, in the next week. Yeah, it's kind of a, doesn't look yeah, it's like a bit it. of an umpiti, right? But now, in the case of Roberto, he is a club captain still. Xavi really likes him, has said he wants yeah. to keep him. That might just be, you know, looking out for his old friend, giving him confidence. But mm-hmm. now the club doesn't seem to be completely beholden to keep Roberto if they don't want to. If they do want yeah. to move on from Roberto, that seems like they have an option. Mm-hmm. And when, in the case of Roberto, we talked a lot about midfield, not about necessarily Busquets, but we're talking about midfield depth. Roberto does have to play somewhere if he plays for FC Barcelona. And Xavi right. is going to play him. And is he going to, does that mean that Des is clearly obviously gone? I mean, Gaitha get, get lost too, because you just have Alves and maybe next year at 39, along with Roberto is your right back situation. Mm-hmm. Or is that Roberto is going to be fitting into a double pivot where we've seen him before alongside De Young and alongside Nico for the next two to three, four years still. So I'm, I'm curious to see if Roberto is an FC Barcelona player, even as soon as next year and yeah. him not resigning, if him not renewing now might indicate that the club is kind of hedging their bets, even on his health, because he might not be healthy. And now we're at a point where he's been now injured for the last two seasons. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, not he's not chicken anymore. Well, that's the thing. He's yeah, he's not what you would. I mean, well, he's not old. He's not exactly what you would, you know, the type of player you wouldn't deem him a young player. And you know, there have been so many other, you know, high profile, super significant, you know, um, recurring, you know, players who've had recurring injuries, you know, namely, you know, Dembele and Ansu and, you know, even, you know, Pedri this year and things like that, that it kind of does, it sort of flies under the radar that Sergio Roberto has been hurt an awful lot of late. So even if whatever he is on the pitch, you know, even if you have a concept of, you know, where he needs to play the, that's ideally suited to the player he is now. And you'd love to keep him and all of that. I mean, there's a question again with him of the, his, you know, just simple availability to to play. He's been out for extended stretches. Yeah. Like you said, each of the last couple of years and, you know, as he ages, I don't know that that's, you know, you you don't want to wager big on that necessarily getting better. Yeah. He turns 30 next week. And, yeah. you know, and I can tell you, I mean, 30s, it's fine. You know, you get by, but you're <laughs> yeah. a professional footballer 
uh, his yeah. his wages already need to be reduced greatly. And now, yes. uh, talking about leverage, he you know the only thing that his that his agent's going to have is goodwill between him and the club. That hey, he was one of your main guys during your dark period here, and yeah. if that's the you have to hope that have, you have to hope that Javi is that 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 value that that um, you know Barca cachet. And the, I know how things are done. I was, you know, I've been around for the, for some of the good times. Yeah. You have, you know, if you're, if you're Sergio Roberto and Sergio Roberto's agent, you have to hope that that resonates just so deeply with, with Xavi that he's willing to, he's willing to go to, go to bat for you big time in the boardroom. He was paid very well for that goal against PSG in 2017 yes. <laughs> and for that goal in particular. And yes. uh, I don't think that he's going to have the leverage to repeat that kind of, again, at the end of the day, it is a business. And so yeah. the club wants to take care of their own, but it is a business. A lot of players come in and out of the club uh, and, and no one in that instance should be protected. And I, I don't think they will be in this instance, in the case of Roberto. Mm-hmm. So I think he's yeah. a question mark that has to be answered. We'll kick that can down the road, as they say, uh, because coming up this week we still have another podcast later on the week but there is a huge match in atletico madrid coming out of the international break that we'll have to prepare for and get our minds ready for that one so uh until that time again look out there's a second patreon uh, second podcast coming out later this week follow emil on twitter of course he also does a lot of other writing basketball mm-hmm. um uh, nwsl a lot of good stuff yeah emil recently so uh follow actually him just twitter. wrote something uh i'll send you the link for it as well uh actually just finished something and uh sent it in on the um the just recently completed the first ever uh, collective bargaining agreement in mm-hmm. NWSL and kind of, you know, the, the optimism around it, but also sort of keeping sight of the, the institutional failings that brought about so much of what was needed. So, yeah, we t- we t- did not talk about the Femini today, but mm-hmm. uh, the Femini, huge move, 85,000 to sell out the camp. No, you've already heard that news in the past, but the systemic issues and financial problems that are wrought amongst Spanish football on the women's side of things. Mm-hmm. The, just because the NWSL in the USA, it seems like that system has more money, does not mean that it, things are fair. It doesn't mean things that, that things are right. So definitely yeah. Emil's piece that women's football, mm-hmm. whether in the US, Spain, uh, Russia, no matter where it is, mm-hmm. It is, it's in a dogfight. We support women's football here on the show. As always, we'll talk about the Femini. They're actually playing right now, actually. So I'm going to, we're going to say goodbye and we're going to check on (laughs) on that game. So remember, we're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod and at the Hilton D13 for me on our close Facebook group, the Barcelona Pod. Answer the questions I'll let you in on Patreon. Thanks to all the new patrons as well. You are the reason why we keep making these shows and always, always appreciate all that help. You can also get these shows without the ads over there. And then on YouTube, where I've had a bunch of special content. International break is a little bit of time for me to you know, spread my wings and explore over there. But we're back with the match reviews once matches begin again at the Barcelona Podcast. Most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.